I started to go to the Fix and Flip subchapter with Bob Gomez at the time. I don't think there was any co-host at the time, but it was mostly mm -hmm. just Bob. And it was a small group and I started to get more confidence, man. I'm like, holy crap, some of the challenges that I have are the same challenges that these people are having and they're flipping a lot more homes than me. Yeah. Right. So maybe it's not that I suck at flipping. Maybe this is just a flipping challenge. Right. Mm -hmm. And once I got in that room and I was able to lean into it, and it's, it's like you guys said, it's just a wealth of information. Bob Gomez preaches, hey, ask me any questions you have. I can hopefully get mm -hmm. somebody to answer them. It's a really good environment. Right. Yeah. So I just kept going to those meetings every single month and just pouring into them as much as they were pouring back into me. I would go with questions. If I, I had a good contractor that I was working with, I would pass that on to other people. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Azria Show. We are excited today because we have, you know, a very special guest that have not been long in the real estate industry doing deals, but he has some amazing, cool stories, and we want to share those with you to give you some motivation, to give you some inspiration, and also to give you some, some life lessons. So I'm Marcus Maloney, your host, and we have our wonderful, exuberant, that's excellent good, that's a good one. <laughs> um, can executive director. Can you spell it? Exuberant? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's up, everybody? And your name is? Mike Delpree. There oh, we go. Okay, there we right. go. There we go. So we have Mike Delpree. <laughs> and then today we have Cecil Gomes. Cecil Gomes with us here on today. And like I said, we're going to get started. We're just going to jump right in and we're going to talk about, you know, his background, how he got started and where he is as a real estate investor. So Cecil, man, give us your backstory. Who are you? Cool. Cool. Will do. Hey, thanks for having me on today, guys. Of course. Yeah. Cecil Gomes. I have a very different story than I think some of your other guests mm -hmm. not been in the real estate game long. I'm a PhD trained cancer biologist. So I did that professionally for a few years, got into cancer diagnostics no relevance to real estate whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I think the only tether there was I bought my first primary residence when I was in the world of science. I did a live and flip. I didn't realize I was doing a live and flip at the time, but I bought this property that was fairly distressed. And I was like, hey, this thing probably needs some work. I had absolutely no idea how to do it. So I did a lot of the work myself. And I also brought my uncle in to help me. He had a lot of background mm -hmm. in electrical and plumbing. And he was like, hey, man, I can help you do some of this. And so we kind of okay. took the project on ourselves. It was kind of a cool experience. It took us a lot longer than we expected to do that. I think the renovation took us maybe six months. You know, we tiled some bathrooms, redid the flooring, painting. That was kind of my first experience getting into real estate, but I didn't really know it at the time, right? It was just my first ever mm -hmm. primary while, residence. While you're working. Yeah. Yes. But that's a big jump, your old career to real estate. Like that's like a career that you're like, hey, I'm going to do this forever. Yeah, right. it was. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I had no interest in pivoting into real yeah. estate. And it, it was, it was hard, man, because yeah. I was... I was doing the full-time scientist gig during the day. That was like eight to five. And then I would get off and then I would do these renovations at night. So I was sometimes up to like two, three o'clock in the morning painting cabinets, you know, mm. just trying mm -hmm. to get it done so that I can get another shift in the next morning. So yeah, I was full-time scientist. I had no plans on getting into real estate. And then, man, I made one of the like best decisions and worst decisions I ever made at the time. And I, I read two books in the same month. It was The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Okay. Okay. And then Rich Dad and Poor Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, right? Okay. Those two books in the same month absolutely wrecked my life, right? Cuz up until that point, 
you know, PhD trained scientist. I did my fellowship. All I knew was academia and then industry science. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love the field, but there is a slight criticism there. They don't teach, or at least in the program that I was in, I was never taught how to be an entrepreneur. Frankly, I didn't even know what entrepreneurial was. Like I, I was just trained how to be either an academic scientist or a industry scientist and, and really no other trajectory. So that was like, I read those two books and this was maybe two years ago and my eyes were just like completely widened. And I was like, I have no idea what this is, but I'm intrigued. Okay. What was the number one? Yeah. What intrigued you the most? I think what tr intrigued me the most is I didn't have to trade my time for money. And that was completely mm -hmm. new to me, right? Because my entire life I was trading time for money. Yep. And I think that's really what like, I think blew my mind. And I was like, oh man, if there's a possibility that I could do something and make money and not necessarily have to trade all of my hours to do it, like I'm interested. And so a mm -hmm. month later, I was like, all right, what's the one thing that I can do? And it, this was, you know, everyone was having a YouTube channel or TikTok was just getting big. And so Damn. I was like, oh man, I don't know how to do any of these things. I don't know how to grow a social media platform. I don't know how to code, but what is the one thing I know how to do? And I just bought this primary residence and I fixed it up. And I was like, okay, I know a little bit about real estate. Not much, right? This is just mm -hmm. my first experience yeah. doing it. And so I was like, all right, this tangibly makes sense to me. And, you know, after I read those books, I started to pour into it a little bit more, started reading more about entrepreneurialism. I got into different podcasts. The Bigger Pockets podcast is kind of where mm -hmm. I ended up. Yep. And then I realized, okay, I could probably do real estate as my vehicle to get into entrepreneurialism. And this was kind of just a side hustle for me at the time. It wasn't like I was trying to leave my career as a scientist to get into real estate. It was just, hey, here's mm -hmm. a way that I can make some additional money and then hopefully build up some passive income. So I did that. I, I this all made sense to me. I decided to get onto the bigger pockets forums. I was looking at all of the questions that people were asking and seeing some of the answers that they were having. And they were like, Hey, rentals is, is, is a really good strategy to start building up some passive income. Yep. Yep. At the time I didn't have much money. So I, I was making good money as a scientist, but my financial literacy was fairly poor. The only thing I knew about money was, Hey, you should pay into your, I was, you know, the Dave Ramsey approach yeah. to like yeah. debt snowballs, paying it down. That all made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was doing. I was doing this professionally for about two to three years at the time. And I was pouring all of my money into my mortgage. So I had a sick like mortgage situation. Cause I recasted my loan. I had like a really small principal balance. And so I wasn't paying much money on the mortgage. So my lifestyle, which is actually a really, really important component. Let me backtrack. The few things that I did learn about financial literacy at the time was try to bring your lifestyle as low as you possibly could. And that was easy mm -hmm. for me. I was a single guy. I, I didn't have much overhead in my yeah. life, right? Mm -hmm. It was my first ever house. So I was living off of like 1500 bucks a month, maybe less. Nice. All right. So I was yeah. pouring all my money into the mortgage. I recasted the loan. My, my mortgage balance was super low. And I was like, okay, well, if I could just tap into some of this money, I could buy a rental and I'll, I'll just give it a shot. And so I got educated on getting a home equity line of credit. I got that. And then a month later, I got a rental. Uh, I found a really good wow. realtor on biggerpockets.com. Mm -hmm. Well, real quick though, that that's pretty interesting because that was your whole mindset. It kind of is traditional. It's get a good job, go to school, get a good job. And then you're just like, pay off my house. Yeah. You know, like you're literally, we're busting your butt, throwing it all into the house. That was, that Absolutely. Was, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So and I didn't know better, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know about it. I mean, I had a 401k, I had a Roth IRA. Those were the only investment vehicles that I knew about. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so... I hadn't, you know, real estate really didn't make sense to me up until that point where I read those books and then started to dive into it deeper. Great. And so once I learned, mm -hmm. hey, I could take this money and I could invest it as opposed to just paying off my mortgage, which was a 3% interest rate, right? So looking back now, yeah. I'm like, man, what the decisions that I were making aren't necessarily <laughs> in alignment with who I am now. Yep. That's awesome. But yeah, so I took yeah. the home equity line of credit out. Cool. Got my first rental. Where was it? Casa Grande, Arizona. We, oh okay. my God. So, so you went from Phoenix to Casa. So, so it's a sub market, right? It's a sub market. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And, and, and the reason was, you know, I, I mathematically, I started some very beginner level underwriting. I started to realize like, 
I think I could pencil a good deal and, you know, not a good deal. Numbers have always been pretty easy for me. And in Casa Grande, the deals, they made sense. It was a little bit of cash yeah. flow. The mm-hmm. market was super cheap at the time. That was right as the market was starting to rise. So I was, was like, this yeah. 20... 2020? 2020. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I got in at a really, really reasonable rate. So you're, you're, we're COVID, right? Yeah. Yep. So cool. Yeah. Okay. COVID just hit, you All know, right. I'm trying to get into this real estate game. The world is kind of going crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it did, the market was picking up. So all of my close friends and family were telling me, Hey, you're crazy, right? Oh, like yeah. you're, you're taking a home equity line of credit out on your mortgage, which you only have almost have a paid off house and you're going to go buy rental and you don't know how to have a rental. Like, what are you doing? Does your but, family have rentals? No, no, I'm the first. Just, just my point yeah. that's, that's a, see, for everyone see, out there. Yeah. And see, and that's the thing, you know, when you go to get advice, and you, you really wasn't even going to get advice. People just saw what you were doing and they immediately started speaking negative versus saying, hey, you know what, Cecil, I'm watching what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued and interested. And sometimes they'll just sit back and watch and see what you do. So now I'm pretty sure they're like, wow, you know what? If I would have just did what Cecil was doing back then or followed what Cecil was doing so much further, they feel that they would be, you know, so it's it's always good, you guys that that are listening to know your own path everybody's not going to have that same path that you have but when you walk your own path people will start to follow you and they'll start to see wow this person is doing something different gosh i couldn't agree more like i could i could go into that in so much more detail but those same individuals who were you know telling me and and out of love they were telling me right be careful don't do this those same individuals now invest with me right and so they Mm -hmm. they help to pay for my fix and flips which is funny how that goes full circle yeah but yeah, so I, I don't know. I could go into this 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 story for a very long time, but I'll be mm-hmm. pretty quick in that. Yeah, I got this first rental. It's really good learning experience. I self managed that first year, which I learned all all the headaches that I thought I could possibly learn. You know, I was mm-hmm. driving out to Casa Grande every week. It seemed like for a little bit there. Wow, okay. um, windshield time. It was a lot. It was a lot of work. And then I realized, man, I, I I within the next two months, I was like, I love this idea of having a rental. I started learning about taxes and how the, the rental is going to benefit me with depreciation and and so on and so forth. I was like, man, I want another one of these. Real quick, you know what you know what's real good, Cecil, is that you didn't try and say, you know what, I'm just going to hire a property manager and let them do all of the work. You know, it's always good when you're getting started with rentals in any industry is to understand the baseline foundation before you start passing it off to somebody else. So, yeah, that windshield time driving out to Casa Grande, you understood, OK, what I need to look for. You started being more proactive versus reactive. And a lot of property managers, they're reactive. So, man, you having that windshield time with that first rental, really, I'm pretty sure you learned a lot. Oh, it was so good for mm-hmm. me. It was so good for me. And I, I, I couldn't agree more with that sentiment. I'm a very hands on learner you know, mm-hmm. for better or worse. And the same is true when I started flipping and I can get into that, but I started doing all the work myself when I started, which, you know, I yeah. wouldn't recommend as a scalable <laughs> model, but for sure it helps to get your, get in there and get your hands dirty first mm-hmm. so that you know what you're doing or you know what needs to be done. Was, right. there, was there anything in your mind that was like, okay, I just finished this Casa Grande property and now I'm making 300 bucks a month? No. Okay, cool. No. So you, you, okay, you're probably more. making good money at your job. I was, I was yep. making great money mm-hmm. at my job. Cool. I mean, you know, good money. Yeah. But I think, backstory into why I wanted to potentially look into this option and not necessarily just put all of my eggs in the science basket is because it started to feel more like corporate America for me than it was Mm -hmm. the passion that I used to have for science. And I realized once I started reading these books that I was just chasing the corporate ladder. I was just making my way up through higher, higher management tiers. Mm -hmm. And that's not really where I wanted to be. And once I started to see traction with real estate, I was like, man, there's, this is a potential that I could walk away from this life as a scientist, which came with some politics and I always mm-hmm. managed. People were telling me where I needed to be and when to this lifestyle of freedom, right? Where I could do what I want when I wanted. And that was tantalizing. Right. 
right? And I think that mm -hmm. was definitely in the backdrop, but I definitely yeah. wasn't ready to like leave the career. Got it. But I right. wanted another rental, right? It made sense. I was like, yeah. okay, this so is sweet. So you have your primary and a rental now. I have my primary and a rental. You're still working. Still working, okay. but I have no more money, right? So I, I home equity line of credit. I use that to buy the rental. Like I, a down payment, leverage with the bank loan. Of exactly. Some sort. Okay. Exactly. And then I was like, crap, I, I, it's going to take me a long time to, to save Stable. up this money and do it again. And I did it traditionally. I didn't know much more at the time about how you could purchase rentals for different entry mm -hmm. points. So I bought it 20% down. Good. Yeah. And I was like, man, I got to figure out how to do this again. And I was like, man, what's one way that I could get capital quickly? I was like, I should flip a house, right? I hear this on bigger yeah. pockets all the time. <laughs> if I flip a house, I can make that money. I can buy another rental. Mm -hmm. And the market was going straight up. So it made sense, right? I was like, yeah. I'm totally going to do this. This is where Azria comes in, right? So okay. I get this idea of, I want to flip a house. I'm talking to this realtor who, who helped me with the rental. Her name is Melanie Johnston. She's amazing. I mm -hmm. found her on Bigger Pockets, and she was like, oh, "Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know Melanie? Never, yeah. yeah, Melanie's like, you got to go to Azria. Like, mm -hmm. I know you're new in the game. I, I, I'm, I'm always trying. I'm, I'm always willing to be coached because yeah. you know I, I, I found that even in the world of science, and I was, I was pretty good at what I did. If I could get taken under somebody's wing and and they would help me, I always felt like I was able to gain a lot more knowledge quickly. And so Melanie kind of took me under her wing. Awesome. She, she's worked with a lot of investors, and she's Perfect. like, you've got to go to Azria. Check it out. Here's the thing." Being a PhD trained cancer biologist, I am naturally introverted, right? Okay. And, and people don't believe this when I tell them. Mm -hmm. like, I get energy when I'm alone. Like when I do events like this or I'm out in a seminar or a conference, like I'm drained. I need a whole nother day to like process that, get back to normal. <laughs> so like I, uh -huh. I, I didn't like to do those type of events, but Melanie said I needed to go. So I went. So here I am, Azria, first night. It's the um, annual or sorry, it's the monthly meeting. Yep. Mm -hmm. Tons of people in the room. They're all talking real estate. I, at this point, I've, I've read the books. I've listened to the podcast. I feel like I'm beginning to understand the lingo. You did it. Okay. I did it. I <laughs> yeah, did it, right? Yeah, you did, and I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, I've got one rental behind my, you know, my belt. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I, I'm here. I deserve to be here. And mm. I get in the room. There's a lot of people. And I was like, dang, this is a lot of information quickly. I think Tina Tambor was talking about market updates. And I am a data guy, so I was intrigued. But at the same time, I was a little intimidated. So I was like, man, I, I should go grab a drink from the bar. Like, I just need oh, to, like, chill go. my nerves. Yeah, good idea. And, and we were in Scottsdale at the time, so I did. I went over to the bar, and I grabbed a drink. And I'm sitting down, and I'm, like, just trying to process everything that's happening. And there's this person sitting next to me, her and her husband. And we get to talking. And Nancy and Raul Navarro, who are yeah. you know, big-time uh -huh. Azria um, investors, I, I had no idea who these people were, but I, you know, I was telling them my story about how I got here and I just bought my first rental and I want to do my first flip. Same thing. They just took me under their wing and they're like, cool. man, you, you need to like spend more time with us. And so I kept going to Azria. I kept mm -hmm. hanging out with Nancy and Raul. They took me under their wing. I got my first flip like maybe a month later. Wow. And Nancy and Raul were there. They were walking yeah. the flip. Was a contractor, me. right? They're, they have yeah. a contracting company. So they're flippers, or, but they yeah, have they sure. have they have their own contracting teams. Yes. So they've got like three or four teams that work for them. Okay. And so and, and Raul and, and and Nancy are just like an extreme amount of knowledge. Like yeah. you know, we walked the flip. I gave them an idea of what my layout was going to look like. They gave me some pointers. Showed me what you know I needed to look out for. Things I had never even mm -hmm. noticed before in my life, right? Because mm -hmm. these guys are professionals. And that's kind of how like flipping started for me. And I did everything wrong on that flip. I did almost all the work myself. You know, I hired out what I could. Which is, I think we talked about this one at the cigar bar. Yeah. Is is, is this the one you went? You did you didn't do the neighborhood finishes. Right. I didn't that, uh, tell no, us about is, that. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I did everything wrong, man. There yeah. were so many comps in the neighborhood that I could have followed. I didn't. I was kind of doing my own thing, right? I was trying to follow sort of some of the information that I was getting ancillary to what Raul and Nancy were telling me. And okay. 
I was new in this game. I, I you know, I, when you're doing all the work yourself and you're you're working in the business and not necessarily on the business at that stage, I feel like you make a lot of mistakes and that's what happened, right? I did a mm -hmm. lot of finishes that maybe somebody else wouldn't have done. I also did a lot of things that probably experienced flippers wouldn't have done. Like I took all the walls down. I was like, this is HGTV. I got to make this thing <laughs> sick, right? Yeah, swinging a sledgehammer. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, I was like, I got to make this thing so yeah. nice. I redid like plumbing, all the new electrical. Like we did so much work to this house that we didn't need to do. It took six months. But the market was so hot that it was successful, right? The market was so yeah. hot, I still made 30 Gs. And I'm like, this is sick. Mm -hmm. Even yeah. though I did everything wrong, right? The market yeah. was too good to fail. And so I convinced myself, hey, I want to flip houses, right? Like I'm making okay. money. Mm -hmm. And then and then I continued down that trajectory and I'll, I'll sort of shorten that timeline. But So let me ask you this yeah. real quick, Cecil. When you got that $30,000 check, right? And you don't have to tell us exactly what you did with it. But what was your end goal? What did you do with that $30,000 when you when you made that money? I just put it right back in the business. Okay. I did. Honestly, I to didn't flip or to flip. Okay. To flip. Yeah. And, and the reason, and the reason why I asked you that is because when you first got started, you said you wanted to take the money from flipping to buy more rentals. Right. So you took that money and just kept flipping. And the reason is, is because I, again, at the time I didn't know that I could buy rentals for less than 20% down. Gotcha. And so here okay. I am thinking, oh, I made 30 grand, but it's not enough to not buy enough. another one. Got so it. I need to flip another house. All my, my, while I'm doing this, I'm still working full-time as a scientist. So mm -hmm. I'm doing the work, right? I'm, I'm nine to five scientist role. And then I'm going and doing this, this, this flip at the, you know, late at night and, and well into the mornings. But I think this is important because like people see where I'm at now, which is not too much further from where mm -hmm. I was then, but not much has changed. I still get up at five o'clock every single morning, which is what I was doing two, three years ago. And from five in the morning to eight in the morning, before I had to start my shift, I was studying and I was learning and I was okay. reading. And I, it was that knowledge that I applied to this business model, which I think has really helped me. But yeah, I convinced myself I wanted to do a flip, but I learned a few things on that project. I learned one, there were a lot of things that I did wrong, right? Which was probably the most important thing from that first flip. But two, mm -hmm. I learned that I didn't really want to work with contractors on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Like there was components of the business that I really liked and there were components that I wanted to outsource. And I think that was the big like moment for me realizing, hey, I can bring somebody on to manage that portion of the business and I can focus on the things that I wanted to focus on. Okay. And what so I like to focus on. I was more deal acquisitions. I like the strategy. Okay. Oh, okay. You're not talking about renovations. You're talking no, no, no. About, okay. I like number crunching. I like finding a deal. Okay. I feel like a hustler. Um, okay. Yeah. And so I, I wanted somebody to manage the renovations. And so my brother has 10 years of management experience, but in the restaurant industry, but he can communicate with these, these construction crews yeah. well, well, well better than I can. You know, I, I'm, I think we're just operating on different levels. And so I reached out to my brother, Chris, and I was like, Hey man, you know, we have always talked about. He like, wasn't in Arizona. No, he was. Well, he was. He was, it was in Prescott like your Valley. Goal to, yeah, to get him here. Is, where was he? He was in Prescott Valley. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's yeah. what I got it. Yeah, so he was in Prescott Valley, and I'm like, hey man, I think we've got something here with the fix and flip business. The market's really hot, mind you. This is before interest rates spiked, mm -hmm. and I was like, you should join me on this journey. And he was like, I'm game. So he left his career oh, wow. in, in restaurant management, and we decided to start our own company, like 50 50 partners, and just fully dive into this business. If I wasn't in the right room at the right time, I think like getting to that you know, speaking with Nancy and Raul and, and realizing, and they even said this, which was the really cool thing. They said, man, you know what you're talking about after only having done one deal? Because in that conversation, we were talking about taxes and they're like, how do you know about this? And I, I'm a pretty uh -huh. avid reader. So I, I feel like I could talk the lingo maybe a little bit more than I knew at the time. And I think that gave me some confidence. I mean, I think still to this day, I start, you know, everyone struggles with a little bit of imposter syndrome mm -hmm. here and there. Me certainly in bigger events when I'm trying to, you know, I spend a lot of time with people who are doing a lot bigger business than me. Like that's where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And naturally I, I find myself being like, man, I don't know how I'm sitting in the room with some of these guys. Like I do have that still, 
but I think I, I, I believe in myself and I've always been that way. When I come up with a plan and I want to do something, I, I always put myself in front of it and I say, well, if there's anyone who can do this, I can do it. And I, I think it's important to leave, lean in uncomfortability. And that's a big mm -hmm. motto for me. Like mm -hmm. I, if there's anything that I could probably like stand on, that's been like the most, that's brought me the most success is like, I do lean into uncomfortability. Like there's, you know, there's a fine line between being nervous and being, or I'm sorry, being excited and being anxious. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference is confidence. And some of the times I just lack the confidence. So I'm like, man, just get through it. And like, you're going to come out on the other side confident. And the next time you'll be excited instead of anxious. So like, that's, that's big for me. And once you do, it's like, oh, I can't believe I was even worried about yeah, that. Yeah. Right. And I think a big part just to give kudos to the members, right? Because you said something important that we all go through when we go to the first Ezria meeting. Like, do I, you said, do I deserve to be here? You said, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you're like, you think you're like, there's millionaires and all these big time investors and you don't want to waste their time. You don't want to sound stupid or whatever negative things are going through your your head. I, I hear that a lot. So I think props to the members for, for talking to the new people, right? Cause there's, yeah. it's an eclectic group, right? So everything from ultra wealthy to first day you know so it's like yeah so thanks to the members for you know reaching out being supportive which you got sounds mm -hmm. like you got a lot of resources just from talking to nancy and raul that's awesome absolutely and i you know i could i could really unpack that in a lot of detail but mm -hmm. i think most of my experiences in real estate investing today everybody has been super courteous yep. and giving back they mm -hmm. want to help yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. and i i see that like fostered and pushed at Azria a lot, mm -hmm. you know, before you took over, Alan was pushing the same yeah. thing. Hey, we have to be open. Yeah. We have to be transparent. We have to help these new investors and that shines. So like after I met with Nancy and Raul and they sort of took me under their wing, they're like, dude, you've got to start going to the fix and flip meetings, the sub chapter of Azria and same thing, right? Imposter syndrome. Like mm -hmm. here I am going to the sub chapter now with a bunch of fix and flip specialists. And I've just now I'm starting on my first fix and flip. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to judge me because I'm doing the work myself. My finishes don't look like theirs. Like there's a million reasons yeah. to not go. Yeah but there's a million more to go, right? And so they convinced me, I started to go to the fix and flip subchapter with Bob Gomez at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was any co-hosts at the time, but it was mostly mm -hmm. just Bob. And it was a small group and I started to get more confidence, man. I'm like, holy crap, some of the challenges that I have are the same challenges that these people are having and they're flipping a lot more homes than me, yeah. right? So maybe it's not that I suck at flipping, maybe this is just a flipping challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And once I got in that room and I was able to lean into, and it's, it's like you guys said, it's just a wealth of information Bob Gomez preaches, hey, ask me any questions you have. I can hopefully get mm -hmm. somebody to answer them. And it's a really good environment, right? Yeah. So I just kept going to those meetings every single month and just pouring into them as much as they were pouring back into me. I would go with questions. If I, I had a good contractor that I was working with, I would pass that on to other people. You know, I great. try to give back as much as I take, sometimes more. And and I think it's been great. Like I've had so many good experiences at Azria because I think you guys foster such a good environment for learning. Yeah, thank you, man. That's what the subgroups are for, for building. We always say our business is 80% or more relationships, right? So that's what the subgroups are for, to get the resources you need and help others as Absolutely. well. So yeah, go yeah. to get, always go to esria.org forward slash calendar. We have 17 events a month. It's pick your, your category or your strategy. Yeah, man. They're amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, and and that's that's the power of impact and influence, right? Because everybody want to be influential and everything like that. But true influence come from impact. So Raul and Nancy, they made an impact on you. And now you're speaking Nancy and Raul's praises because they helped you, you know, and that's the impact. Same thing with Azria, same thing with Bob Gomez. So you guys that's out there listening, you know, show up, you know, if you have tons of questions, bring those questions. That's why we're here is to make sure that you get all the information that you need. Now, the only thing that we ask is that you go out and you place that information into action so reach out to a cecil reach out to a mike 
to a me or any other member and make sure that you get the information that you need and take action with it. So Cecil, I mean, you, you've only been doing this for two years, right? Right. Only two years. two years. So, and a good thing that I like about it is that you're not so far ahead of everybody to where they're like, man, I can never be like Cecil, but you're not still in that same place to where, Hey, you know what? Cecil mm -hmm. is not doing anything. So give me one characteristic that really pushed you. Well, I guess you already gave it to us. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, that tenacity and perseverance going through. So what's, what's kind of, what's next for you? Sure, sure. I'm just going to backtrack really quickly before sure, I dive into yeah. that, because <laughs> yeah. I want to say one more thing about the sub subgroups, because okay. you guys said something that sparked thought. So in addition to like just diving into questions that you might have as you get into this space, and I'm a big proponent of bigger pockets, getting on the forums, asking mm -hmm. questions, but there's sometimes questions you can't ask over the internet. True. And I'm not going to say what those questions are, but you guys know what I'm talking about, where you just need like honest, brutal mm -hmm. advice. Sometimes it's about taxes. Sometimes it's about the business. And you can't, you can't do that over the internet, or maybe you shouldn't. That's yeah. what you can get it as Rhea. So like when Tracy Royce started to co-host the Fix and Flip subchapter with Bob Gomez, you know, I, I connected with Tracy and I was like, hey, I've got a couple of questions that like, I'm a little nervous to ask anybody else, but you've been doing this for a long time. And she's super transparent in her model, right? She teaches everybody everything. And I'm like, mm -hmm. can I ask you these questions? And she gave me some really great feedback yeah. that I've like taken, implemented, and I've scaled my business so much more, right? And like, I would have never asked that over the internet. So I think that's just another yeah. proponent as to like why that's people huge. need to come to these meetings. Yeah. And, we're, and it's local. Like, I think something happened on the bigger pockets where it's like you have someone in California giving that advice to someone in Nebraska. Exactly. Right. Just some of the rules, laws, mm -hmm. right? Things are just, houses are different, right? So yeah, I just had one of those conversations yesterday between me, you, and the fence post. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Mike and I have sat in a couple yeah, of yeah. conversations. Yeah. For sure we have. Yeah, um, sure. So, but so always do your due diligence. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, consult your CPAs and attorneys, right? <laughs> no, so for me now, I'm flipping full-time, I think, uh, sort of, Going back just a little bit, I, I I jumped around a little bit getting into real estate investing. I saw shiny object syndromes everywhere I went. I was balancing the world as a scientist full time and then learning about all these different investing strategies. Mm -hmm. So like I was doing flipping, I got into multifamily, me and some other investors bought a 16 unit and that, that made sense at the time, not so much now. Mm -hmm. I just recently bought another rental and I'm kind of, I was all over the place. And I think what I realized was I needed to stop chasing all of these different investment strategies, right? You can make money doing anything. Mm -hmm. Just if you can pour into one for a long enough period of time, it'll do really well. And I realized for me that was flipping. But for me to take flipping seriously, I needed to be full-time. I think for me to scale this business into what it is now and then where I'm going, I had to leave the career as a scientist, which came with so many freaking hurdles. Yeah. I could start an entire podcast on just leaving your, because it wasn't just a career change, it was an identity change, right? Yeah. Everybody knew me as a scientist. And so walking away from that was just such a mental like hurdle for me. Mm -hmm. But when I figured out that I, I was mostly in corporate America, not necessarily pushing my my passion anymore, that helped. And yeah. I I went through 2022 the same as all of us when interest rates rose. We, my brother and I, we're now in this business. We're flipping houses. I'm still full-time scientist, part-time fix and flipper. He's now full-time in the business, right? So he got a little shammed, right? I brought him in full-time, <laughs> but I'm still, still half-time yeah. in. Interest rates rose. We lost some money on a couple flips, but importantly, we learned a lot of things that we did wrong. And we're like, man, we took a step back, looked at our business model, and we figured if we could improve on these few pieces, and, and if I came full-time to this business, we could take off. And that's exactly what we did. So 2022 came to a close. We, we real quick, just give us an idea of what those yeah, pieces those are. Pieces. Yeah. So we, we bought all the wrong houses, man. Like okay. we were just chasing a deal that we could flip and make money. There was nothing else on the back end of that. We were like, if we could do it and be successful, that was great. Mm -hmm. Now we realized, okay, we lost, we lost some money flipping houses. For example, we bought a couple properties on major roads. Got and mm -hmm. okay. that that is a really hard selling point when you're flipping a house, yeah. especially when you're new and you don't know what you're doing, right? There are a lot of people who can be successful at that. But for us, 
we were picking properties on major roads because they were cheap, right? And yeah. we didn't realize mm -hmm. they were cheap. Like, because... Why are these houses? Right. <laughs> exactly. It's a yeah, great neighborhood. Man. The numbers pencil <laughs> theoretically until we go to resell these properties and nobody wants a house on a major road. Yep. That's a great example. But there's there's so many things that we learned along those lines. We're like, yeah. okay, if we just implement these lessons, don't do these mistakes again and, 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 and stick to something that was comfortable. We were also at the time flipping all over Phoenix, which we didn't know Phoenix that well, even though we were, you know, we were born here. We didn't mm -hmm. know these different markets, so we were like, let's dial back. Let's go into the, the, the zip codes we know really well, which is like 85032, right? North Phoenix and surrounding zip codes. Like, we could probably flip in that area really well because we know it like the back of yeah. our hands. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. So the last 10 houses we flipped have all been in that area. That's a great area. It's probably hard to find houses over there. It is. Yeah, it is. And that's a new challenge for me is deal flow yeah. because we're trying to stay in an area that we know really well, mm -hmm. but it's hard to find a good deal in that area. Got it. So once we did that, we took a step back. We reassessed the business model. We came into 2023 with a business plan. We were like, all right, we want to flip eight houses this year at an average of $25,000 profit per flip. And there's a lot of reasons why that was the calculation and a lot of data that went into where we wanted to be this year and in three years and in 10 years. And that was just sort of reverse engineering where we needed to be in 10 years, how we could get there this year. And we freaking crushed it, man. We've, awesome. We're, we're, we're on our ninth flip right now. Excellent. We've implemented some of the systems that we, we, we were planning on doing. And the business is going really well. You know, this is a hard freaking time to flip. I'll tell yeah. you what. We're learning a lot of lessons still along the way, but um, that's kind of the goal right now is to continue flipping, continue scaling. We want to do 12 this year, 25 next year, and then eventually, you know, in three, four years, get to maybe 30, 40 a year. So what are some of the things, like you said, when you first started, everyone was riding the wave. Now interest rates have gone up, but still low supply. There's still buyers out there, right? Yep. So so what are some things that you're doing different to the houses and looking for in the houses versus two years ago? Okay. Two years ago. I thought HGTV was flipping, right? So I'm mm. like, let's full gut this. Let's take mm. all the walls down, redo everything. We were spending way too much money on the renovations. They were yeah. unnecessary fixes. Mm -hmm. So what we're looking for now are full cosmetic rehabs, but we're not planning on taking out all the load bearing walls. Mm. We're not planning on redoing the sewer lines. What we're trying to do is go in there and give it a facelift. Average renovation for us is between 50 and 60,000 material okay. and labor. That's, you know, three two, 1,500 square feet, somewhat nice neighborhood in 85032. How many square feet? 1500 1500 50 60k on, on a, a nice face yeah Got it. yeah that's cabinets. kind of our bread and butter yeah we'll replace cabinets okay. all new surfaces and that's working really well for us there's a couple other things that we've implemented that i think have made like big differences in our business model one we were doing the work ourselves at first right so once okay. i recruited my brother to come help me in in, in in full transparency the goal was for him to project manage but we still didn't know what we were doing so he was project managing while also working, working. on the projects right mm -hmm. and that didn't work so we went from my first house I flipped in six months. I brought my brother on as a full-time partner. We did our next house six months again, right? So, or, or, or maybe maybe it was five months, but it took us forever, right? Uh -huh. it's, it's an unscalable model. And then we realized after that second house, we're like, man, we gotta hire some people to help us do this. You know, okay. like this is just not working. So mm -hmm. it's been a lot of learning how to project manage but for my brother and then me helping out where I can, learning, coaching, so on and so forth, really sticking to our lanes. And that's probably been the biggest biggest change in our business. So Chris manages all the renovations now. I don't have to be there. I don't have to manage the guys. Chris manages that. And in addition to that, on some of our projects, we even brought a GC on. So Chris helps to work with the GC okay. and they manage the entire renovation side of the business. My whole thing is I need to get out in front of as many deals as possible. So I'm networking with realtors, with wholesalers. I'm just trying to get in front of many, as many people as possible to increase that deal flow. Because I would say I've learned in you know the small time that I've been flipping, there's three big pillars in this business. There's okay. deal acquisitions, yep. right? Which is probably the most important. There's the renovation component mm -hmm. and then there's capital. And we've 
at different times in this two-year period, each one of those have been a cog in the wheel, right? At okay. first for us, it was renovations. You know, six months mm -hmm. renovations is just inadequate. And then so we learned how to do the renovations by having Chris manage the teams mm -hmm. and bring on a GC. Now our renovations are a month. Like if it, if any project takes us longer than a month, we've done something wrong. Oh, oh great. We're quick, you, man. We're really quick. But then capital came into the problem, right? So like, okay, we were doing really good on our renovations, but we didn't have enough money to do multiple projects at once. So we went on this small conquest of raising capital, which worked out really well. And then after that, whoa, whoa, whoa. so, oh. Small conquest. Yeah. You gotta give us a little puzzle piece oh, in the middle, yeah. man. Yeah, right. you're so, absolutely so, right. So we've had conversations about that. Like, we have. Like, I gotta start raising money. There's some issues of like not wanting to ask people, right? So right. like what you go through, so how'd that work? So, you know, I say conquest, but maybe that's a bit of a misnomer. It was more organic than I expected. Okay. I think when mm -hmm. people talk about raising money, they think you have to go out and pitch and, and, and do all these things. Shark tank. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Instead, what I did is I kind of leaned into some of the advice that you gave me, which was just show people what you're doing. Right. So mm -hmm. I've started to get out on Instagram, on different social media platforms, just showing them, hey, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm up to these days. And in doing that, I'm amazed at how many people have freaking money out there who want to invest. Right. Yep. People are sitting yep. on a lot of cash right now. More money than deals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they see what I'm doing and they're, they, they want to be part of the journey. And I love it. It's working. So right now, you know, we raised some some private equity from, Great, from family and friends. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So the capital was no longer a problem. Nice. And okay. now it's deal flow, right? So I feel like we're going to continue to cycle through those three big pillars as our business changes and grows. But right now, because our buy box is so tight, and I preach this hardcore on Instagram, people think I'm a maniac, but like when you're new, it's so important to have a buy box, right? And, and to know exactly what you want to buy and what you don't want to buy, because it's, it's so much easier to say no than yes. It's funny that you speak about that, because that's one of the things that I got wrote down right here on the iPad is buy box and focus. And it seems like that's what you guys took the beginning of 2023 to do is just really zoom in on what you guys wanted to accomplish. You came up with the business plan, came up with the structure, and now you've just been killing it ever since. We have been. Yeah, like that, that's a big thing here. We do the launch pad, right? Did you do the launch pad? I know it could be hard at first to know exactly what you want to do because it sounded like you did rental, primary rental, flips 16 unit yeah, yeah, it's all over the <laughs> back place. to rental back to the flip right so so it but if you can it'll always change but yeah get that that investor identity that buyback because it sounds like you just ultimately just circled back around circle right back i did in, yeah you know, so i made a lot of mistakes right yeah. i think that's how i dialed in my buy box is i did a lot of things wrong and there's an easy way to curb that if you're a new investor it's get with a flipper right so like what i should have done is i should have gone back to nancy and raul and been like hey hold my hand more yeah. if you don't mind mm -hmm. like let me pour into you how can i help you guys while you help me but I think what I did instead, like I do still meet with Nancy and Raul regularly, as well as a lot of other flippers. I think that's the other thing is like yeah. get in front of people who are doing what you're doing and doing mm -hmm. it bigger. But I should have I should have spent more time pouring into that and focusing on how to improve the business as opposed to just every flip was like it took so much out of us. I think we would have gotten there quicker. Mm -hmm. But I think I think that changes too. So when you're new, or at least I can only speak for myself, but when we were new, it was important for us to have a buy box because it it was comfortability. And yeah. and I know north phoenix really well so i can look at a project and this is true i probably shouldn't say this publicly but the last six deals we bought i bought sight unseen and and i was under contract within you, 10 minutes that's where you get the buy box you right know the comps, right you know the square yeah. footage you know everything about inside the house it's just yeah, yeah. that's how and it works you have to know your market right and this is a competitive market like if if a deal if it's a good deal and it sits on the market or if it sits across a wholesaler's list for more than 10 15 minutes it's going to be under contract so you need yep. to know what you're looking at right so we were under contract in the last six deals 10 minutes didn't see any, you know, we saw pictures, but we never visited the properties and we crushed every single one of those deals because we, we had a really tight buy box. Now we're getting to a point where capital really isn't an issue. Renovation teams aren't an issue. 
we need more deals. And so we're getting to a point now where we need to expand our buy box a little bit. Location, there's some things that we're not going to change on our buy box, mm -hmm. but I think we're at a place now where we can do that comfortably because we've learned how to flip a house, right? right. I would not recommend that to a new investor. Have you noticed uh, labor's easier to, to come by? Because I know like 21, 22, I know when everything was hot, it is it's hard to get anybody. It is so, so much easier. Now. How are you keeping your teams going and keeping everyone in place? So we have a unique model. We try to run most of our stuff through our GC because he's got a dedicated crew. Okay. And they've, okay. they've done quite a bit of our flips now. So they they know the second they get on project what they need to do. Mm -hmm. But we are going back to the model where we're hiring some, hiring some things out ourselves. Again, we try to find dedicated crews because it really takes decision fatigue out of the business, right? So when you're right. managing 30 different crews per project, it gets, or, or 30 different subs per project, it gets to be a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But if you can get a three-man crew or a four-man crew and you're just managing sort of their superintendent, that makes the life a lot easier. So that's kind of our yeah. model. Awesome. But we've also noticed labor costs, in addition to labor costs, material costs has come down too. Good. Yeah, Ooh, so that's right. been really Good helpful. But for us right now, I think we're, we're still trying to gain the training wheels. It's kind of how we feel, right? Even though we've got a couple flips under our belt, I still feel like we're learning. And, and we're kind of just waiting for interest rates to stabilize. I'm really, you know, bullish on them okay. stabilizing mid fives. You know, I'm hopeful, fingers crossed. Uh -huh. And I feel like when that happens, this this baby that we're generating right now, it's going to yeah. blow up. Yeah. yeah. And and we're trying to build the business in a way that can that can sustain that volume. So like, and that's the reason I brought my brother on. That's the reason we brought a GC on. We sort of envision a business where we can get to 40 flips a year and it's not going to kill us because Marcus, Marcus and I, before we jumped on the podcast, we're talking about lifestyle. Like that's a really important thing for me that we didn't even talk about today is like one of the big reasons why I left my career as a scientist is because I was pouring so many hours of my life into it. Right. And I, I had asked my boss anytime I had to get up and go use the restroom mm -hmm. or I had, if I wanted to go pick up my niece yeah. for, from school, I had, it was just a nightmare. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to live this life. And real estate was my escape. And so I think that's really important to me. I know a lot of people who are doing a lot more deals and a lot more business than I am, but they're working a lot harder, mm -hmm. right? They're working yeah. every day every so, hour i have a question so your three the three cogs you're mentioning are three pillars there was money deal flow and was it your system or your uh, labor renovations labor, labor. okay so we covered a little of all that so on the back on the deal flow i just want to kind of touch how you that's actually one of the most important things i think man if you're not making offers you're not getting deals yep. right someone on your team even if it's not you an agent whatever it is so you you joined marcus and i with the deal finders club yes. for a little bit so how'd that play into you finding deals or looking at deals Dude, that was one of the best decisions I ever made, but not for the reasons you may think. So okay. here, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I joined. Yeah, I joined the group, and the purpose of the group, uh, I'm, I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar, but it's to pretty much teach you guys how to get in front of direct sellers, right? So how do you get mm -hmm. in front of those sellers who are in difficult, maybe distressed situations? And it's supposed to be a win-win transaction where you help them out of a tough situation, and in doing so, you get yourself a pretty decent deal, right? Yep. And I, I took the training on your guys's ends. I, I learned so much. I met a lot of great people in the group. And I was going back and forth. This has been a huge conversation in my business between my brother and I. Do we go direct to seller, right? That's a big question that we have, which is growing out another arm of the business. Yeah. It's marketing mm -hmm. spend, a lot more overhead. Yeah. And, and obviously you guys know, I poured into this question a lot over the last year, yeah. even still to this day. And I was in a really good meeting last week. I met up with Andrew, the home buyer, his partner, cool. Kyle. We were mm -hmm. sitting in this luncheon and I was talking to him because we, we're ready to roll out this direct-to-seller marketing campaign. We have our letters ready to go. We've got all of our systems. We've got Freedom Soft set, set up. Mm -hmm. We're ready to roll, right? Those guys are on TV. Yeah, right? they are. That's They're doing awesome. 400 commercials a month. Wow. Yeah, big timers, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. and, and and so we're ready to pull the trigger. We're about to send out 10,000 mailers. We're, we're ready to roll. And I'm sitting in this room with Andrew, the home buyer, and his partner. And I'm like, hey, man. You guys are bringing in so much deals 
and I'm a small fish in this pond and I'm trying to put out 10,000 10, mailers. He's, I, I asked him for his advice. I'm like, what would you do in my situation? Would you do it? Would you go direct to seller? And I'm competing now with you guys and Doug Hopkins and all the big wholesalers in the Valley. Or would you stay in my lane, which is advice that I've gotten from a lot of people from you as well, mm -hmm. Mike, you've told me stay in your lane. I've gotten this from really good mentors of mine. And I've just been going back and forth on what I need to do. And Andrew said, stay in your lane, dude. Stay in your lane. We've got this. Build relationships with wholesalers and, and realtors. Stay in your lane and let us keep feeding you deals. And that's, I think that's the last time I needed to hear it. Because I've been going back and forth on this for mm -hmm. a year now. And after I did the Deal Finders Club with you guys, Mike and I sat down at the cigar bar and we talked about this. You said the same thing to me, man. He's like, I know you just invested in this group. You've learned a ton. But it seems like in your current business model, it's best for you to just stay in your lane, keep flipping and doing what you're doing. And I think it comes back to the shiny object syndrome, right? Yeah. It's it's so easy to say, oh, I could make more money on the spread if I got the deal direct from seller. But do I really want to deal? That's a hard business yeah. model. Yeah. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And it'll, it'll take you away. Again, that would just be a distraction. It'll take you away from that focus of your buy box, doing your deals and everything like that. And that's one of the things that, that we both share with people is whatever you're good at, focus on that, you know, and don't try and save a few pennies here, a few dollars here, maybe even, you know, 10 grand you could say, but you know, how much more money could you make by staying in your lane and doing what your, your God given purpose is to do. And if that's flipping houses, flip houses and let those wholesalers feed you. That, yeah. This, this is the game, right? So, well, yeah, and I see you posting on social now. So you're on social, you're on this podcast. Cecil buys an eight, five, zero, three, two, seven houses, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, Send it. It's like this, this stuff you're just doing natural. You like yeah. this, you're showing what you're doing while you're on the site. Um, you can get bird dogs, right? You can get, if you want to learn how to flip, just like Roel Nancy helped Cecil. I'm sure someone came up to you and was like, I just want to learn the process. Can I walk your flips? Have Absolutely. I go drive for dollars? Can I bring you a deal? Can we do the deal together? Would you do that? hundred percent. You know what I mean? I bring people by our properties yeah. all the time. I'm, I'm here to give back the same way people have given back to me. Absolutely. Yeah, and Great. yeah, to your point, man, like I was trying to figure out what, what is my, my niche in this game, right? Because I'm a cancer biologist. What, how does that translate to real estate? And, and frankly, I was going to ask you that. I was like, where, what do you, do you, you must think like being a scientist for all these years and then going to the real estate, like how do they connect or like, is there any, it has taken me two years to figure it out. And I finally figured oh, okay, it out cool. after I spoke to Andrew, the home buyer. And, and it is the weirdest revelation ever. I like to communicate and, and on a personal level, mm -hmm. like, again, I, I, I don't mind being in front of a big room. If I'm the one mm -hmm. talking, I've sort of been trained to do that in my, my previous role, but I like to communicate in that I've been trained to take a lot of really complex data. And I mean, like nasty data, distill it down into a very simple narrative and then explain that to doctors and physicians. Right. So I like doing that. I've always liked cool. doing that. So I kind of feel the same way with real estate. I think real estate gets simplified in a lot of ways, but it is a complex giant. There's real estate or real estate. Really? Okay. I think real estate is, I think there's so many variables in real estate that people don't take into consideration. True. And I feel like I'm starting to understand what those variables are okay. and I want to be in front of it. So I want to be on podcasts like this. I want to be mm -hmm. out networking. I think that's my niche. I think that's how I get deal flow. And I didn't quite make that connection at first, even though you said it to me, right? I needed mm -hmm. to hear it maybe from somebody else. Mm -hmm. Now that I know that, now I know where I need to be. So my marketing channels are very different than let's say direct to seller. Like I'm not trying to pitch to the seller. I'm trying to pitch to the wholesaler. Yep. Hey, send me your deals, right? Cause I'll buy. First shot. And, yeah, yeah. Unseen, right? right? Like, yeah. yeah exactly. Wholesalers like to hear that. Once they, once they send you a deal and they know you close, you'll most likely get that next deal before they blast it out yep. or, or they'll exactly. call you, Hey, what, what, what number should I be at? You know, mm -hmm. you leverage your knowledge to get the deal. We do that a lot. Yeah, and and here's, here's the cool thing about that. In my experience, anyway, um, the cool thing about being picky on what you buy, right. Is 
wholesalers and, and realtors start to respect you because yeah. they'll send you 20 deals and you'll say no to every single one of them, but you got to tell them why, right? Hey, this doesn't fit my buy yeah. box because, mm-hmm. and then they send you the deal that fits your buy box and you close. So I've closed on hundred percent of the deals I've ever gone under contract with nice. because I only go under contract on deals. I know I'm going to flip. I only go under contract on deals. I'm going to flip. And so having that buy box up front was really liberating for us. Cause it's like, dude, I'm going to say no 20, 30 flips. But when you send me the deal that I want, I'm going into contract. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to close every time. Yep. Like you said, it, it eliminates that decision fatigue, right? Instead of looking at all of these, these 20 possible deals and you're like, okay, nope, that's not it. Nope. That's not it. Once you know, Hey, I'm looking in this zip code. And if it's not in that zip code, I'm not looking at it. It's easy for you to say no. Absolutely. And you can look at a couple hundred deals a day, right? At that yep. point, right? You don't, yep. you don't have to, to underwrite every single deal that comes in front of you. Just underwrite the ones that fit your buy box. Then you're you only go. really screening five deals a day. There you go. So, so tell us a cool story. I know you got a couple of cool stories. Man, I've I got a bunch of good stories. I know you got one about, what was the one, Mike, about him closing a deal or his partner coming to- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a good one for you guys. Yeah. All right. So I, I mentioned, I like to get in the room with people who are doing this bigger and better than me. This is a really cool story. So I've got this flip that my brother and I completed just in the end of 2022. And I get a phone call. I'm in Fry's. And this guy calls me and he's like, hey, dude, it's Brett. And I'm like, Brett, Brett who? And he's like, dude, we played basketball together growing up. I'm like, no way, Brett Tavench? And he's like, yeah, dude. He's like, I saw your flip on 39th Street. I was going to buy that. Mind you, I haven't talked to this guy in over 15 years. He's like, I was going to buy that flip. For whatever reason I did, I pulled out. He's like, you did a killer job. I don't know if you know this, but I flipped too. I was like, get out of here. No freaking way, right? Cool. Mm-hmm. And so we connect, we get up, we get together for coffee. And I realized Brett's crushing it, right? He's doing way more volume than me. He's doing way bigger things than me. And same thing as Nancy Narul. Brett took us under his wing. He's been, I mean, just Brett, like connecting with us, showing us some of the things that he does in his business. He's made us over 50 grand this year. Easy. Wow. He's been amazing. Right. So I always want to, what what did he teach you? Dude. One thing, just one quick off top. All right. So we were buying all of our slabs from slab yards. We would go to like Arizona tile and pick up. uh Right. Right. Or we weren't going to discount places. We were going to retail shops to buy our, our quartz. And so we're paying 15, 1800 bucks on quartz. He's like, dude, you got to go to the clearance yard. I'm like, what? What? Clearance uh-huh. yard? What is the clearance <laughs> yard? Yeah. And he's like, check this out. So we go to the clearance yard. I'm buying the exact same slabs that I used to pay 15, 1800 bucks for, for six, 700 bucks. Yep. You know, See, that's mm-hmm. all I was asking for. Yeah. yeah. Man, like yep. those little things. One little tip. Multiply that by 10 flips, right? Coffee. You went to a coffee meeting. That's it. And you just, okay. That's one example. I, I could go on. Brett yeah, has yeah. dropped so no, many pieces of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, call, call Cecil for the rest of it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Hit me up. So, you know, Brett pours into me. I try to pour back into him as much as I can, but it's tough when Brett is in such a, you know, a larger yeah. position than I am. So I'm like, hey, dude, I know that you go to all these meetings and stuff, but have you ever checked out the Azrio Fix and Flip subgroup chapter? And he's like, no, I've never been. Or maybe he's been once, but it'd been years ago. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to connect him with Tracy because Tracy's doing big things and the room's really great. So I was like, you got to come, come check it out. But Brett has a type of energy about him that, you know, this guy's just doing serious stuff, right? So I walk in a room, I'm a little reserved. I like try to feel things out. Brett walks into a room. He's bringing the energy, right? He's making deals happen. And that's exactly what happened. So we're sitting in the room, new wholesaler sitting in the back. He's talking about how he's got two deals under contract. One he wants to take down, one he wants to wholesale. And I'm sitting there thinking, and this is, this is my exact thought process. Oh, I'm going to connect with this guy after the meeting. I'm going to give him my card. And, you know, I'll try to, I'll try to pitch him on uh, offloading one of those deals mm-hmm, to me. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the meeting, Brett's like, hey, dude, what are you talking about? You got a deal? Tell us more <laughs> details. What's the right. deal? Right. And he's like, so, so the, the wholesaler starts getting him, getting more information and, and telling him in front of the group and Brett's like, yeah, let's do it. I'll go on a contract with you. Let's go down. Let's make it happen. And so here he is making, mo- you know, making yeah. moves in the room. Yeah. And I learned something that day. I'm like, 
dude, if you know what you want, get after it. Just get after it. Close mouths don't get fed. That's it. Yeah. And man. I'm constantly learning. And I think one of the biggest things that I've learned from Brett is you've got to hustle. So Brett makes money doing everything in this business. He wholesales, he flips, he finds money in ways that I would have never thought about. And so like, I, I think it was really helpful in bringing him to that room Great, because mm-hmm. he's just making moves happen. And I, I realized I need to hustle more. Deal, deals are in these rooms. Yep. Like I said, there's Absolutely. 17 a month and there's hundreds, whatever. We had like over 7,000 people come through our doors last year. So it's like people just like you, like Marcus, new wholesalers experience. There's deals happening every yep. day. You just got to speak up like you do. Yeah. And let me say one more thing on that because yeah, yeah, what's up? this, this is crazy to me, but I'm invested in being an entrepreneur, right? Like now I know the business. I, I know I listen to Alex Hermosi. I'm starting to hear some yeah. of the things that I need mm-hmm. to do to grow this. And one of the things that I think is really important is changing the people you spend time with. Right? So mm-hmm. I heard this thing, um, take the five people you spend most amount of time with, take the five people who influence you the most, who are going to change your life the most and see if those two or if those five people overlap. Right. And if they don't, then you need to change a friend group. And that's what going to Azria happened. Like that's what happens when you go to Azria because like one of my best friends now, Mike Gorius, mm-hmm. I met at the wholesale group that uh-huh. you guys put together. Got it. AJ and Tony are two flippers that I met at the fix and flip group. I've been connecting with AJ and Tony for almost six months now. They walk our flips. We talk business. We get lunch. Like some of my closest friends now who are, are trying to grow into this space or are farther, way further along than I am have come from Azria. Awesome. And, you know, I'm not trying to pitch Azria no, in, in, in a super high spotlight, but is. if you pour into it, right? Like if you come to these groups and you know what you want, there's an opportunity everywhere. And Azria has been a huge resource for me. Awesome. Thank you. So you all, you hear everything that Cecil's been talking about. Me and Mike's been talking about. Go to azria.org forward slash calendar. You can see all of the events that we have on a monthly basis. We'd love to see you, love to see your face in the place and get a chance to meet other investors, get a chance to come and meet Cecil and Raul and everybody else. Mm -hmm. You can come in and really learn what you need to learn. So Cecil, man, I really want to appreciate you coming in. Yeah, actually. And the reason why I really want to appreciate you is because I remember, you know, just a year and a half ago, two years, you were sitting at in the wholesale step-by-step class and you knew absolutely nothing. I know. And now just, 24 months later, you're flipping continuously, you know, yeah, doing man. deals, networking and everything like that. So, guys, take it from Cecil. It don't have to be a long road, but you have to get out there. And one of the things he said is you, you got to hustle. You just got to get out there and hustle. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a wrap. Man. That's a wrap. Love there. it. Love so, it. Thank you guys as well. I appreciate it. You guys, you guys yeah. have poured a lot into me and into the members. And I feel like you guys have changed my life. So I appreciate you as well. Thank you. Thank man. you. So guys, you know what to do. Get out there, take massive action. Go ahead, Mike. One last one. How do we get a hold of you, man? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hit hey, me yeah. up. I'm on Instagram yeah. now. I'm trying to get the social going at science guy, REI. It felt like it was a, you know, still a, a clever ring back to my mm-hmm. old life, but trying to get into my new one. So yeah, hit me up. I would love to chat. Come check out our flips, and uh, if you've got deals, send them my way. Do, do you still wear the lab coat, or I do not. I do not. <laughs> wear I still place. have a lab coat, but I've retired it. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Probably need to position that man. In I know. Flips. So <laughs> new marketing. There yep. you go. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being loyal listeners to the Azria Show. Remember, you can always, always, always listen to us and find us on all social media platforms and all platforms. Come on, Marcus. All platforms. All, all platforms. Podcasts. Podcast, podcast apps, there you go. Apps, and when, when when does the show come out? Every Monday. Ah, nice try. Friday, <laughs> Friday. Fridays at eight. Fridays at eight. Fridays at eight. I knew that. I just Nine. was joking. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, love it. Thanks, guys. This was fun, man. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Azria Show with your hosts Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.